It's the TEH podcast, episode number 154. I'm Leo Notenboom of askleo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of macmost.com. So let's dive right into it. Heard, yeah. any, good, heard any good music lately? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, it's another, another week of like the, one of the biggest stories is a tech related story. Um, so that always is good for us because sure. we know what to talk about. Uh, and of course, I'm referring to the whole uh, Joe Rogan, Spotify, Neil Young thing. Among, among others. Yes. Among, uh, yes. Yeah, there's yeah. others. So basically, Joe Rogan is a very popular podcaster. I will come right out and say I've never listened to a single episode of Joe Rogan's podcast. And I, I will I will second that notion. I have never listened to a yeah. single episode of Joe Rogan, although I did see him regularly when he was a host on um oh gosh what was it was it the fear factor or something fear like that? factor yes yeah, i never watched that that either but yeah oh, no, we I, were I know we were religious fear factor watchers yes yeah <laughs> i and you know it's uh, it's interesting um the uh it's just reading today about his podcast i was like but what have i been missing and right. i read the wikipedia page that describes the podcast and i was like oh well no wonder i didn't listen to it <laughs> i mean it just doesn't appeal to me you sure, know sure. it wasn't a so okay so here's the basic thing the basic breakdown is that he has uh, a podcast on spotify um and i'll go into the details about what i mean by on spotify in a minute but uh he's a comedian interviews people i guess he gets tries to get laughs probably like any talk show right mm -hmm. and he had on the show a uh, basically, uh, I don't know if it was an anti-vaxxer or somebody that was uh, doubting vaccines and not being very scientific and all the stuff we usually talk about here where uh, I think us and all of our listeners are probably very science-minded uh, and everything like that. So he had some anti-vax person on. Um, it wasn't a balanced thing, not that I, I can imagine you can even have a balanced discussion when it's so unbalanced, uh, but uh, he had a show about that. Um, it upset some people, as you would imagine it would. One of those people it upset was Neil Young. And unlike Joe Rogan, I am a Neil Young fan who's been listening to Neil Young my entire life. So I know a lot about what Neil Young's about. And anyway, he came forward and said um, basically he didn't want to have anything to do with Spotify anymore. And even though he probably contractually had to keep his stuff on Spotify, did he? Uh, I, I imagine because Spotify came forward and said, um, well, we'll, we'll honor his request to have his stuff moved removed. Hmm. So Neil Young stuff came down, Joni Mitchell backed him up. I don't know if any of others have come forward and basically he said he didn't want to, uh, help in any way perpetuating these, uh, you know, uh, falsehoods and misinformation and everything like that right. about, uh, vaccines. Um, and of course, uh, a lot of people decided to follow the lead and, uh, cancel their Spotify accounts. I haven't had one in many years. I switched to Apple Music when it started. Um, the uh, So yeah, basically that's where we're at. But here is, there's a lot of interesting things underneath that. One is that you have to realize that Joe Rogan is exclusive to Spotify. So unlike regular podcasts, such as this one, <laughs> that you could go anywhere to listen to, you just get the RSS feed and you're good, right? choose software of your, you know, whatever you want to listen to, right. put the RSS feed in and you can listen to the podcast. You can also find it in various podcast listing services like Apple's podcast app mm -hmm. or 
well, actually Spotify does that as well. And there are lots of other apps and services that will list podcasts mm -hmm. and they're free. Basically most podcasts up until about a year ago, almost all podcasts were free and you could just tune in where you wanted, how you wanted, et cetera. Spotify came in and said, well, we're going to, we're going to do something here. We're going to um, get some exclusive podcasts because uh, they have a subscription model. You know, they're, if, you know, they're like Netflix, but for audio. Right. right. So right. Uh, the idea is if we sign a big podcaster like Joe Rogan to Spotify exclusively, and you have to be a, a Spotify subscriber to listen to them, then we'll get lots of people that decide to become Spotify subscribers, or at least choose Spotify over Apple music or Amazon as their music streaming service, because they also want Joe Rogan. Um, so that's where it kind of gets interesting because it's not like he's just has a podcast out there and it was listed in Spotify. Spotify actually pays him right. to be an exclusive podcaster. $100 million. Actually. I was going to say a big, big bucket yes. of money. Yes. Yeah. So that is interesting because uh, basically then when Neil Young goes and says he doesn't want his music on Spotify because he doesn't want to support it, he's exactly right by putting his music on Spotify. That and, and I did read he has six million Neil Young songs are streamed on Spotify per month. Okay. So by putting his songs on Spotify, if you go and say, "Oh, I I, I want to get Spotify," and is my favorite artist Neil Young on Spotify? He is great. I'll go in Spotify, and then maybe I'll stumble upon you know through some advertising this Joe Rogan podcast and listen to that. So he definitely, you know, being on Spotify and being part of that network uh, definitely ties you to Joe Rogan in a very loose way. I don't think anybody was going to go and jump and say that Neil Young believes what this guest on Joe Rogan po Rogan's podcast believes because they're both on Spotify. Right. Nobody thought that, but um, Neil Young just has a, you know, he has standards. I'm not going to be part of this. I right? think that the argument is that, um, I don't want my content to be making money for an organization that allows yes. this stuff to happen. Right. So of course the interesting thing is being an Apple guy and always thinking about how does, you know, Apple adjacent stuff like Spotify that affect Apple. I started to think, Oh, does Apple have any um, exclusive podcasts? Actually, I first thought, Oh, does Apple have Joe Rogan? And then that's when I find out that, Oh, Joe Rogan's exclusive and they're paying a right. hundred million dollars. Right. Um, and, well, so the idea is that Spotify tied themselves to Joe Rogan with this contract, this exclusive contract. And now that has, is trouble for them because of what he put on his show. Uh, does Apple have that or other companies? Do they have that tied thing? And it turns out kind of Amazon has signed some exclusive podcasters that you have to be a subscriber to Amazon Prime, I assume, to, to listen to. Mm -hmm. So so potentially there could be some danger there for Amazon. Apple hasn't quite done that. They've done two things. First, they've got some exclusive deals, or not really exclusive deals, but like the BBC. The BBC has some content that's available only in the UK. And Apple signed a deal to say, we can distribute it to the world for you. But, you know, it's exclusive. It's not obviously people in the UK can hear it 
directly from the BBC. Right. But Apple's got this exclusive contract with the BBC, but it's the BBC. It's a big corporation mm-hmm. with lawyers and, and people that look at scripts <laughs> and content and content, stuff like that. And Apple did it also with, I think, another company, was it Slate or somebody like that. Somebody else also, it's a media publishing company, not like a podcaster. Right. Um, so there's potential there. Apple does have a paid podcast service now, but the difference is it's not tied to other content. If you go and you find a podcaster on Apple's podcast app, you pay for that one podcast. It's not like part of your Apple music subscription. Oh, I see. It's not bundled with something else. Spotify does that as well. I'm not quite sure, like if you don't subscribe to Spotify's music service, if you can subscribe to a podcast, but you definitely can pay additional money on top of your monthly subscription feed of Spotify to get other podcasts. Hmm. And and that money goes directly to that individual. So I assume it's a situation where they don't have a exclusive contract kind of thing. It's just that you're using Spotify to try to monetize your podcast. Right. Um, But Apple right now seems to be less vulnerable to this. They're also doing one other thing. They are apparently uh, talking with uh, publishers for podcast exclusives, but they seem to be doing it in the same way they do TV shows and that companies like Netflix do TV shows. They're not like people like you, you know, us here on this podcast, we're just going to talk about stuff every week. Mm-hmm. They're like people coming up with ideas for shows, shows that have seasons, shows that, you know, have, uh, you know, I don't know if they would have scripts. Some of them might, or some of them might have other things, you know, here's what we're going to cover and do this. And this is the production company and all that. And then Apple is buying those shows or, it sounds like shows. Apple, the way I look at it for the TV side um, for yes. both Apple and Netflix is that they're commissioning the shows. In other right. words, they're saying, here's an idea what, you know, they get pitched ideas all the time and they say, yeah, we'll put our money in this one. So it's not like it's a pre-existing show, although in some cases it is, but it's not like it's a pre-existing show or a pre-existing podcast that they come around and say, hey, we'd like you to join us. It's more a matter of um, let us help you develop it. Exactly. And it's based on, you know, that the standard TV model that's been around a lot longer than people have been doing with podcasts. So it's a little bit of safety, right? Mm-hmm. They can number one, go and say, okay, the show's supposed to be about this and that's what's on the contract. Right. Right. And right. number two, they probably can listen to it before, you know, they could turn in, here's our 20 episode season one. Right. And Apple could have somebody listen to that and say, yeah, this is good. <laughs> we could publish it. Right. The moral equivalent of a TV show, TV show pilot. Exactly. So, so it's a little less danger. I, I would almost imagine that Amazon may back away from uh, doing anything that's remotely like what Spotify is doing. And Spotify may actually try to back away from that a little bit um, just because of this. Uh, it's going to be interesting, so, so interesting to when see. When you say back away from this, what, what I, what I kind of sense is that what they might back away from are these um, free form commentary interview, ongoing, you know, never ending yes. interview shows, right? Which there yeah. are a lot of those. There are, there are many of those. And some of them are really, really good and really, really popular. Yep. Um, another one that came to mind as you were talking uh, that Spotify also picked up uh, exclusively was uh, Dax Shepard's show, Armchair Expert. Mm. And that's because he, um, he was publishing for a long time the free model, like you and I are doing right now. Yeah. But um, the uh, all of a sudden he disappeared from all the free channels because it's exclusively on Spotify right now. Uh, so yeah, um, 
what seems safer mm. for the Apples and the Amazons of the world might very well be less of the talk show format and more of the radio drama format, right? Yeah. Uh, 10 episodes of X where you're telling a story like you were saying earlier. I think that you're right. I suspect that that's probably something that right now, today is probably an easier pitch. Right. Or at least having, you know, uh, first of all, having a, a license agreement that has a lot of things in it about, you know, don't do this and that. And also having, you know, more confidence in the people. Like I know Apple has some shows in development, probably for TV more, like with Oprah's company, right? right? right. And they can look and say, there's a bunch of adults in the room <laughs> that, you know, even, even if they're going to go and say like, oh, we want to do a show like this, they're smart right. enough to say, oh, our, you know, Spotify or Apple or Amazon, they may not like this. Let's give them a call right. <laughs> because they're paying our bills, right? right? And uh, we need to talk to them. And that's how like, you know, the pro a professional arrangement between companies. Now, as far as like a whole other aspect is the whole censorship aspect of this thing, which first of all, is kind of a ridiculous term to use. You know, I've heard, uh, you know, I, I've seen people comment about Neil Young censoring uh, Joe Rogan. It, he, it, unless Neil Young owns his own podcast network and signed Joe Rogan to it, he has no power to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. He does right. have the power to speak out himself, which is exactly what he's done. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, it's up to, and Spotify is paying Joe Rogan so they can do what they want. And I understand they're imposing some uh, restrictions on him. I'm really curious to see how that's going to play out in the next couple of weeks and how it does play out will determine what I think of Spotify. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's um, evolving. It's evolving day to day. They've already said they're going to be putting labels and such like that. Joe Rogan's already come out and said, uh, first of all, that he loves Neil Young. <laughs> And and obviously feels some remorse about this, but also that um, uh, he wants to do better in some way in terms of I mean, I think he mentioned something about more balanced, which yes. I don't think works. I a lot of people know I, I actually went to journalism school and for a short time in my youth. I thought I was going to be like a journalist, like a reporter, like, you know, get the story, you know, work for big newspapers, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And one of the interesting things that came, you know, that you discuss when you're entering that profession is the whole idea of how do you have a balanced story? And when you're writing a news story on something like, oh, the city council wants to raise taxes, then you want to find like somebody that thinks it's a good idea and interview them and somebody that also thinks it's a bad idea and interview right. them right. and get quotes and balance the story. But what do you do when you know, somebody has something that's clearly not balanced, like they want to have, uh, they, you know, they want the government to reveal that UFOs land at City Hall or something like that. You know, I mean, it's just like a crazy thing. It's like, how do you create a balanced story on that? Or right. how do you create a balanced story when uh, a law wants to get passed that everybody agrees is a good law? And there's one person that has this bizarre reason why they don't want it do you give them equal time right <laughs> you no know, do you so it's the same thing here being a science-minded person giving like 20 minutes an interview to a scientist telling you uh, about the vaccines and why they're you know great and all that and then do you balance it with 20 minutes of a conspiracy theorists you know talk about the vaccine because to me that's not balanced you I, don't give equal time it, I, I, it's interesting so i i am 
not a journalist, nor have yeah. I gone to journalism school. However, to me, it seems like the issue of balance makes the most, has the most applicability when you're talking about opinions, right? Mm -hmm. When you have two different sides to an argument. Uh, yeah. to, you know, that, like you said, the, the city council wanting to raise taxes, there's reasons for, there's reasons against, they both, both sides need to be heard in a case like that. Yeah. Where things get really, really difficult is when you have, for lack of a better term, something that simply isn't true. Yeah. In other words, does a falsehood warrant balance? And of course, my opinion is, well, no. But what's happening here is we've already aired the falsehood. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, sure, that means that the other side, the quote unquote other side uh, should, should get some airtime. But it's not in the name of balance. It's in the name of correction, right? Yeah, <laughs> well, yes, in this case, yes. Yes. Because you've already, the mistakes already been made. But the Correct. idea being that in the future, should, or, or even like going back and saying, should the right thing to, to do be to have whoever that guy was on? And then after that, have a medical doctor or immuno, you know, immunology expert on, right. Right. right? And the answer I'm, t I'm saying is, uh, as a journalist, is no, <laughs> there is no, you can't balance somebody who is stating falsehoods or um, spreading misinformation yes. with somebody who just basically presents you with the facts. Well, I suppose the, the other way to look at it is that you can't balance the truth with falsehoods. That's not yes, well, that's, how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what you need to do is you need to counter um, anti-factual information with facts, with truth. But that's not a matter of balance. Like I said, that's a matter of correction. It's the it's the moral equivalent of a newspaper printing a correction the next day. Yeah, they said something that was factually incorrect, and they needed to clear the record. And that's kind of sort of what I see this, what I see being needed here. Mm -hmm. But the concern, and I think the concern you're raising, is that this talk of balance is perhaps um, uh, misapplied. Yeah, I I do like though that what has happened here is um, it's pushing this misinformation uh, out to the fringes, right? The, the, the only reason we're talking about it and the only reason anybody ever talks about this stuff is because uh, it's not because the misinformation is there. It's always there, right. right? But for some reason, it has in the last year been talked about really close to the center, right? right. Instead right. of at the fringes. You know, I, we, you and I would have been a lot happier if it was a fringe thing. I, and I always enjoyed following conspiracy theories as entertainment, right? I have all these books that actually are about, and I did a comedy show for a brief time about conspiracy theories. And the funny thing was, is that for a long time, conspiracy theories were pretty stagnant. Yes. Like you could, you could actually go like around 2010 or so. You could actually go and say, oh, the big conspiracy theories, you know, uh, there's a uh, water power car, you know, the moon jammed. landing, Kennedy, uh, yeah, the yeah. Kennedy assassination, moon landing, new world order. There were certain ones that had just been repeated over and over. Chemtrails, you know, was another one. Yes. And th these were the standard ones, right? And I have all these books that, that are basically, you know, looking at all these standard ones. How, where did they originate from? How did they spread? You know, what's the, what's going on here with, with this? Why do people believe them? And they're all outdated now because right. what happened in the last few years is it exploded, right? Yes. With all this stuff. 
the conspiracy theory books I have all talk about them as they're on the fringes. Why does a small percentage of the population talk about this? And it's no longer a small percentage of the population today. Um, but the way this story has been treated in the last few days, I'm pretty happy with because it actually, I believe, is working to push those things further to the side. The outcry yep. against it has basically said, no, a majority of people are not take, you know, think this is bizarre. Right. And it needs to, things need to be pushed aside anyway. So I, there were a couple of other thoughts that, that came across as you were talking. Um, one of the important ones here is that I think there's a lot of criticism for Joe Rogan show specifically, because this isn't just about vaccines, right? There have been some other uh, 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 topics or guests in some cases that he's had on his show that mm -hmm. people also fall, feel belong in a, uh, I don't want to support this kind of category. Yeah. Um, I believe he's had like some neo-Nazis or some. Oh, um, okay. Well, that's um, some far, some far right, whatever. Some basically some extremists. And, you know, from, from his position, from Rogan's position, uh, he won't put it quite this clearly. He's a comedian. He's trying to entertain, right? He's yeah. trying to do whatever gets people to listen to his show. He has said that, you know, he's not right. He's not left. He's just, he's just, you know, bringing on guests and entertaining people. Unfortunately, he chose to bring on some guests that, that some folks feel were reprehensible and did not deserve the airtime. And hence, like I said, didn't want to, uh, didn't want to support. So in a lot of ways, this last um, go round with Neil Young making a call is kind of like the, the straw that broke the camel's back. It was kind of like the last straw that a lot of people uh, in isolation, maybe this wouldn't have been enough. Maybe it would have been enough, but there were enough other things that this was the one that, that basically, um, you know, toppled the last domino for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it's interesting. Oh, Neil Young, he actually posted a second uh, note and mm -hmm. I'll have to look it up so that we can link to it in the show notes. But basically, he also talked about, you know, he's a great supporter of free speech, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But he actually brought out a really interesting technical issue of all things with respect to Spotify. Mm. It was his claim. Now, he didn't use these words because he was writing for the masses. But <clears throat> it was his claim that uh, the way I interpreted it, Spotify compresses the crap out of their audio stream, mm -hmm. which means that uh, what you are listening to is significantly lower quality audio than you might be getting on, say, Apple Podcasts or Amazon Unlimited, or he mentioned some other streaming service that I'd never heard of, actually. Uh, but I just thought that was an interesting twist to the story that says, you know, not not only is Spotify something I don't want to support because of who they have on their on their platform, they also do a bad job of delivering audio, <laughs> which which was kind of an interesting twist to the story. Well, when, yeah, he, he has. When, yeah, when, go ahead. Well, when you think about it, it makes sense from Spotify's, Spotify's point of view, I guess, if they're in it for the money, because streaming high quality audio costs more, mm -hmm. right? It just, it, there's more connectivity. They have to have more infrastructure to do that for as many listeners as they have. Uh, they certainly haven't been promoting themselves as having incredibly high quality audio, at least not that I'm aware of. But I, like I said, I just thought it was an interesting, an interesting twist from Neil Young to, to throw that on the fire. I think he's talked about quality before in streaming services. I don't know what um, 
what Spotify is doing nowadays. I mean, I know like Apple Music, you know, you can get lossless um, and high quality and right. I mean, they've got all sorts of stuff going on. You know, they've increased the quality. Um, so I imagine, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if Spotify offers the same kind of thing or you have to pay more for there's, it or. There, so so full disclosure, I have a Spotify account. I actually have a paid Spotify account. Uh, and uh, it's funny because it, the, they only give you a monthly option. And of course, my monthly payment happened like a few days ago before much of the controversy. So I you know, didn't have the opportunity to, quote unquote, make a choice right then and there. Uh, so it gives me the opportunity to let the month play out and see what's going to happen, uh, you know, see mm -hmm. how things are going to shake out. That being said, though, um, um, I, they... What, one of the things that Spotify has going for them, it, in terms of audio quality, yes, they have a slider, but they don't tell you what the slider means in terms of bit oh. rate. <laughs> they just tell you, you know, um, there's automatic, they will choose whatever's best for you, quote unquote, um, mm -hmm. or you can say, you know, low quality, or, or I'm on a, a throttled uh, a connection, or I'm on a, a, a metered connection, you know, use something that's lower quality, I understand. But what it means when you say, you know, open the floodgates, give me the best you got. I don't know what the best is, right? And and my ears are not so attuned to the quality that um, I can necessarily tell the difference between one bitrate and another. Um, I, so it's like I mentioned, I'm still subscribed, but I'm I am you know keeping an eye on it. One of the problems because I did do some some comparative poking around um, over the past couple of days in light of all this, um, I re-enabled my Amazon Unlimited subscription. Mm. And the problem I have, the frustration I have, I don't even know how to call it. Spotify selection is huge. It is probably the single best selection of music that I'm aware of. Now, I do not have a sense for Apple's collection, um, mm. but... Um, there are just some things that I have searched for. There are some stations that I have listened to that, you know what, if it, if I can think of it, it's probably on Spotify. Mm -hmm. And there are definitely some things that I have thought of and gone looking for that are not um, on Amazon Unlimited, which is kind of disappointing. Uh, it's, you know, is it a deal breaker? That I don't know, because a lot of these things, maybe they're available through other venues. Uh, um, in some cases, they're not possibly even available for free. Uh, I just don't know. But the point is that when you just compare services head to head, uh, Spotify seems to win quite a bit with their selection, the breadth of information, the breadth of, of music and stuff they have available. Um, let's see, what else was I going to mention? The uh, uh, there was one other person who reacted to all this. That's Brene, uh, yeah, Brene, uh, Brene Brown, uh, the author who has herself a podcast that last week, a very popular podcast that last week, she basically posted a very cryptic, uh, there will be no more podcast episodes uh, uh, for the foreseeable future or, you know, mm. whatever. There was no, she didn't put a timeline on it. It was basically, you know, we're stopping forever. Uh, and today, I think it was, she posted a, an explanation of what that was all about. And indeed it was somewhat, re, you know, related to uh, Spotify. Uh, of course, she was also dealing with um, all of the people who, as you can imagine, uh, responded to her choices rather vehemently in the negative. Um, she used uh, um, 
a, a more a more colloquial term uh, that rhymes with hit show. <laughs> that um, uh, it, but but what I found interesting about her is that um, I believe she's also another one that's exclusive on Spotify. Mm. Um, but what she did is she actually reached out to Spotify with a couple of requests, a couple of questions. Basically, she researched and also judged them, so to speak, on their responsiveness. And some of the things she asked for are, in fact, some of the things that Spotify ended up doing. Now, whether it was co uh, correlation or causation, I couldn't tell you. But she was asking for things like, you know what, what are the moderation rules? Um, let's make those public so we all understand what they are. Uh, let's commit to uh, enforcing them equally across all of the people on this platform, uh, th that kind of thing. And uh, I, I think that in light of, she was happy with the response from the folks at Spotify. So I believe she's hmm. in the process of coming back. That's a good sign. Uh, it is a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody who actually takes the time to do the research and ask the questions and engage them uh, and and uh, see what happens next. So anyway, I thought that was just sort of an interesting, uh, an interesting perspective on someone else that um, a lot of people respect, a lot of people don't respect, uh, but someone else who went through the process and and evaluated whether or not they still wanted to be on the platform. And I think it's probably also worth noting, I just confirmed that, um, yes, the TEH podcast is on Spotify. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Um, but um, it is, as you were saying earlier, not um, something that we, quote unquote, do. Yeah. It's uh, more the fact that uh, we've listed ourselves in a couple of podcast directories, including sure. Apple's. I suspect a lot, of, a lot of other services read Apple's directory. Uh, and make our RSS feed available uh, through many, many other means. And right. Spotify just happens to be one of them that picked, picked it up. We have a public, a, a public listing, basically, is like what we have. Essentially, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like all of the other podcasts that you might find on, pod, on uh, uh, Spotify that aren't exclusive uh, usually end up getting picked up exactly this way. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, it's an interesting time for, uh, for that. Yes. So what else is going on? Oh, let's see. Um, oh, I do want to make a, a quickie mention of the fact that um, I think it was our last episode a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, Microsoft picking up Activision Blizzard. Yep. And yesterday, Sony picked up Bungie, uh, which, <laughs> which A, Bungie was, a micro, uh, was owned by Microsoft for a while. I don't recall how long ago they spun yeah. them off, but it's uh, one of those things where they... Uh, uh, they spun them off. They decided to do something else. And now Sony decided that, well, we'll pick them up. I don't know necessarily what it means specifically for the companies involved, but I find it an interesting indication of how important gaming seems to be to some of these big players and how much of a, uh, a future they're willing to invest in. Right. It, it seems to be a lot of people thinking now that at this point, it's open season on all the game studios and within the, you know, this year, uh, you can expect maybe, I don't know if this is going to happen, but maybe all the game studios get bought by companies. So it could be the end of the independent game studio, not, or independent is probably a bad choice of words. You know, the, it, the end of the company that is just a game studio, right? You know, right. they all get, they all end up getting owned by the Sony's and Microsoft's and such. Um, there will still be definitely indie 
game studios, uh, right. in other words, smaller independent developers, but you know, the ones like we're talking about here, Bungie and Activision and all that, um, could end up being just owned by companies that have a tie to, you know, a console or a platform or a distribution mechanism or something. Right, right. It'll be interesting. What, what I would find very fascinating, I have no idea if this, this even stands a chance of happening, um, is if Facebook were to come along and buy one. And I say that because one of the things we postulated last episode was that uh, some of the Microsoft purchase was motivated by being trying to be prepared for the quote unquote metaverse. Yeah. And uh, as most gamers know, the metaverse uh, has been around for decades and it's usually a massively multiplayer online games. Uh, the, the, when I take a look at um, you know, Zuckerberg's description of the metaverse, it's basically second life with VR goggles. And it's, you know, it, it, that seriously, that's really a lot of what he's described. And that's been around for at least a decade, if not longer. Uh, and when you take a look at, you know, let's take a game like World of Warcraft. Uh, what, what do you do with that? Well, let's make it, let's make it um, immersive and give everybody VR goggles. Um, you know, same idea. That's all of a sudden you've got a, a metaverse. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so I just thought that was worth mentioning that that happened. <laughs> We'll keep tracking the story as the year goes on. Exactly. Yeah. And speaking of games, mm. how's your Wordle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, Wordle makes me angry. Really? I'm the only person in the world that probably Wordle makes me angry. Well, you no, may, a, lot you of, have... a lot of people are angry. About oh, well, I agree. Maybe for the, yes, yes. Well, for the weird reason I'm angry. Yes, I you mean, have a unique reason. Yeah. Well, the unique reason I'm angry is because I've spent a, a portion of my life um, ongoing portion of my life, basically building and creating word games. Um, I've, I estimate I probably have created two dozen word games and probably half of those are basically clones of existing word games. Oh, that looks like a fun game. I'll make my own version of it. Sure. Um, and half of those are unique kind of word games, which you know, Wordle kind of fits into. And, you know, most of them, well, at first they were web apps and like Wordle is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I went on to do some iOS apps for various games. Uh, many of those games have come and gone uh, over the years. Um, and uh, some of them have done okay, some not. And, but, you know, when I see something like Wordle, um, which is a very simple, like I could build in an afternoon kind of game, right? Uh, similar to some things that I've done in the past, um, and I'm not, and, and also I, I want to point out when I say I could build in an afternoon kind of game, I'm not suggesting that somebody could build it in an afternoon. I'm just suggesting I could <laughs> because I've actually, because I've done a lot of the, the legwork at the beginning, like, oh, I, I have my own custom dictionaries and word lists and I have routines that I could use to process and find words. Right, and, right, right. oh, I could take, you know, these building blocks, put it this way, that way, and boom, I would have Wordle. But um, to, be, to be fair, I mean, Wordle is not that complex a game. Um, no. you know, a, a competent software engineer could probably write it and get it up and running in about a day or two. Right. You just have to get the word, the words right. and go through the, and all that. But anyway, the, um, but, you know, and the interesting thing about it to me, so as, as an expert on, on making yes. little word games like Wordle, uh, the interesting things about it are, number one, it's a web-based app, right? So, you know, those I've had been making since 1995, but somewhere around 10, 15 years ago, I stopped making them in favor of making mobile apps because the whole world moved to mobile apps. Right. And all the web-based games I had basically died 
because of that. So it's interesting to see after all these years, suddenly a web-based word game just jump into everybody's attention. It's like, oh, so I guess I should have just stuck with that. Um, and the other thing is, is that I have many times thought, wouldn't it be nice to, instead of doing everything else I do, just spend all my days coming up with new ideas for word games, putting them up on sites with absolutely no advertising or anything, just for people to play. And apparently that would have been a good strategy. <laughs> apparently. Apparently that strategy would have worked. And uh, you would have made a million dollars. I made a million dollars from the, <laughs> for the New York Times. So yeah, I have played it a few times. I, I, it has failed to addict me um, in, in the way it has others. You know, mm -hmm. I'll go like a week or two and then one night I'll be sitting there and be like, oh yeah, Wordle exists. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'll go and I'll, I'll do the, you know, I'll do that days one and then I'll forget about it for a few more days. Um, I mean, it's an interesting game. It's uh, it also kind of makes me mad because the way the uh, the interface is it has a little keyboard at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And and I've wrestled with that very thing like, oh, so on mobile devices, how do you type the letters in? Because you have a you don't have a physical keyboard. Like, how do you do that and all? And um, and basically the easiest like, uh, to heck with it. Just put a little keyboard at the bottom of the screen that you could click on or tap right, on right. Um, is exactly what the creator Wordle did. Yep. yep. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, just solving it by not solving <laughs> the problem and just sticking a, a keyboard. You can't even, you can't even like, if, if you know, oh, okay, in the next, okay, I know uh, this has to end with the letter T. So let me put the letter T in the last spot. Yeah, you can't do right? that. You can't do that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I'm like, if I, I would be like, you know, if I wouldn't have released the game unless I could do that. Like that would have been like, no, this is a must have. You I can't need to figure out like how to do there that is, in a nice interface. There is no cursor, right? You can't click nope. on a space and put a letter there. You have to do it in, in order. Um, yeah, there, there are definitely some frustrations about the, about the interface. What I find interesting about the keyboard though, is it's more than just keyboard, right? It's also a feedback mechanism. Yeah. It shows you the black and green letters. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, what I find so I'm, I won't say addicted, but I'm close. I've played it every day for probably about a week now. Uh, it, what I find interesting about it is not so much the game itself, Mm -hmm. and how it came to be and how it came to be uh, essentially how it became viral and how it you know ended up getting purchased by the new york times uh, there were just a bunch of little things that the author did that clicked uh, the keyboard's one of them absolutely because all of a sudden it just works everywhere uh, you know, if you've got a real keyboard, great. If you don't, great. Uh, the feedback mechanism is uh, wonderfully uh, platform agnostic. Mm -hmm. The uh, there's nothing special about it, right? The when you do the share thing, all it's really done is copied a string of text to your clipboard. Those little boxes are nothing more than characters in a string of text, uh, which I found fascinating because of my my initial the very first time I, I looked at it, it was like huh, I wonder how he does that. How do, does he like create a graphic? Does he create a PNG <laughs> on the fly or something like, nope, nope. He's just, he has found these characters in the character set and he puts them in the right place in a string. And that's what you end up sharing out. The ease of sharing it is key, absolutely key. Mm. Um, the fact that it is uh, difficult enough and it's difficult in a crossword puzzle kind of way. 
Um, it's it's one of those things where if you like crossword puzzles, this is sometimes the kind of a, of a game you might enjoy. But the fact that there's a little bit of competitiveness, it's very easy to see how quote unquote well you've done um, and then making that easy to share. Uh, and he did not restrict where you can share it. That's the the, the glory of, of just Having mm -hmm. a copying its string to the clipboard, you can share it in email, you can share it on Facebook, you can share it on Twitter. I shared it in the document that we share for this podcast, right? I've mm -hmm. got that in there, yeah. Um, which means that it'll be easy to share on our webpage, uh, which is fascinating. Uh, and that was just such a simple thing. And I think there's not one specific thing that really contributed to its virality, except all of these little things that went into it. Um, and you know, the, the origin story of this thing is that he made it for, what was it, his sister, if I'm not mistaken? Oh, I thought it was his wife, but okay. uh, It could be, either yeah, way. Yeah. Um, he made it for a person so that that person could you know, enjoy the game and have fun with it. And it leaked, <laughs> essentially, right? It was, it was on a public website. If you take a look at it, it's on some edu.uk, if I'm not mistaken, domain. Mm -hmm. um, and it just, went viral naturally, which is very, very rare, but pretty, pretty darn amazing. Uh, the scary part of this, though, is that uh, everybody is getting to it by Googling Wordle. Yeah, uh, nobody, I mean, unless you're, unless you um, are someone who bookmarks a lot, uh, or, you know, decides that this is bookmark worthy, uh, I know that every, you know, when I go play it, I Google Wordle and I know what to click on when it's there. Mm -hmm. The problem is now because it's become so incredibly popular. Oh my God, do not look for Wordle in your app store. Yeah. Um, do not look for Wordle in the Google Play store. Um, not that there aren't good Wordle clones out there. There probably are. But you know that folks with less than pristine intent have created Wordle clones that aren't necessarily what you expect. Um, and, and yeah, there's a bunch of them out there now. The, st the both stores I suspect are flooded with them. Um, but yeah, now I mentioned earlier that a lot of people are angry at Wordle. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple of different backlashes. The backlash that just kind of sort of cracks me up are the folks that are posting things like, nobody cares about your Wordle results. Uh, you see a lot of people grumping on social media just because they see so many other people sharing Wordle results. Um, that just makes me funny or you know, strikes me as really funny as opposed to mm. being world ending. The one thing that I thought was really interesting, uh, the guy who created it gets the opportunity to sell it for a bunch of money. Honestly, good on him. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, I wish it were you, but, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, good on him. I, I like seeing that kind of success in the note that was published by the New York Times. They included an interesting word, and that single word has made more people upset um, than anything else. Mm -hmm. And that is that they stated that. Wordle will be free initially, where initially is the word that has everybody upset. The New York Times has a gaming site. They have a number of online games, but it is a subscription. Um, it is separate from actually subscribing to the New York Times. I happen to be a New York Times subscriber, but I do not have access to their games, uh, not the gaming subscription. So it is an extra cost per month. Uh, there is a paywall. And the implication 
from the use of the word initially is that Wordle will eventually go behind the New York Times games paywall. And that annoys the heck out of a lot of people. Uh, I know that the author in his announcement said it will continue to be free, but the word initially crept into whatever the New York Times was publishing, and that has a lot of people worried. The good news, I suppose, I mean, if it happens, there's tons of other ones out there, right? Right. If, you know, there will be a successor to Wordle. Uh, you know, maybe somebody will come up with the six character version or somebody will just clone it and make it free or something. But the bottom line is that um, that little bit of uh, additional bit of drama in the uh, in the gaming landscape was uh, was basically a lot of a lot of social media angst over the last few days over this silly little word yep. game. Yeah, well, you know, uh, as a game developer, I mean, you can't just go and say, well, there's some inherent reason that this needs to be free. Sure. You know, and if, you know, if the New York Times is smart, they'll, they'll figure it out. I mean, why can't they just simply uh, say, you know, there's, it's one word a day, right. this wordle, right? Right. And so they can simply have one word a day is free. It's the, the official wordle is free. But if you want three more, right, or another it, it, one, it doesn't you know. even have to be that complicated, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the, the big thing going for Wordle right now is that it's free and there are no ads. Um, it's, it's one of the fastest websites around because <laughs> there's just nothing on it. Uh, all the New York Times would have to do is continue to keep it exactly the way it is. Yeah. And add a sidebar that says, hey, if you love these kind of games, Here's a featured game. Uh, maybe we'll give it even to you free for 30 days because you've came, you've come to play Wordle. Uh, Wordle keeps being free, and New York Times just use it as uses sure. it as an they could just put their they could just put links to interesting stories at the New York Times on the side. I mean, they wouldn't have to. Hopefully, they wouldn't clutter it up with any of that kind of no, stuff. But, but the bottom line is, they've got this opportunity to have people coming back to them every single day. Um, that's not something I think they want to put behind a paywall. I sure hope yep. they don't. The other weird thing about Wordle, just wanted to point out, sure, is sure. that it's uh, super easy to cheat <laughs> in yes. a variety of ways. Yes. Like, for instance, you could do it once, and then when you're done, do it again. Do it again. Yes. the word immediately. <laughs> and then you look like, how did you get it on the first try? That's impossible. Um, and, or you just can add. I mean, it's it's so it's a weird type of game. I've had, in the past, I've had things like that where there is a way to cheat. Right. And somebody has said, well, what's the point? You could just cheat and do it this way. I'm like, well, the point is you're supposed to be enjoying doing the game. Sure. If you're going to cheat and just win. The, then what's the, you why cheat. are you even here? You can cheat at solitaire too, if you're playing with real cards, but that's not the point. I know. So I, so it's weird. Yeah. A lot of games, a lot of yeah. my personal effort. Anyway, I, I, it, if I'm going to do anything, um, if, if this affects me in any way, I am going to say that I've had lots of other ideas, non-word game ideas, uh -huh. where I've thought, oh, it'd be fun to do a game like this. And I could probably put that on a web page and it would just be such a beautiful little by itself website that just had this like little game on it mm -hmm. and you played it. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what's the point. Like it would just be this game on a web page and there would be no ads. There would be nothing like, and sometimes I think, ah, I should do it anyway. And I have all these ideas for games of just sure. that would be like one page website games with no ads. And now this pushes me towards the, you know, every time I think, well, what's the point? I can think Wordle. That's the point. 
<laughs> yes. Exactly. I mean, I wouldn't even, for me, it's like, I, you know, all it'd have to be is, you know, my game. And then nobody has to even buy it. It would just be like sponsored by Mac most little thing at the bottom. Of course. Yes. And it would, and it would yes. only show for Mac users. Right. Cause I don't care on a windows user. It's like, yeah, there's nothing Spon- to show. Sponsored by Ask Leo. <laughs> right, there you go. <laughs> anyway all righty so what else is cool this week um so we've been watching boba fett are you watching boba fett i i'm i have not started watching boba fett yet did you watch mandalorian i did okay good uh, without any spoilers there's a crossover in process mm-hmm. of course yeah uh i did not expect this i i was expecting the boba fett storyline to be 100 boba fett and I will tell you without hopefully spoiling too much that Boba Fett wasn't even in the most recent episode. Yeah, I, I did. All I know was that, uh, you know, there were uh, Boba Fett. People were like, oh, yeah, OK. Mm-hmm. There's like back and forth. Eh, mm-hmm. Not as good as Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And then the last episode that came out, people lost their. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, but I didn't I don't know why people lost their whatever. But now I'm like, oh, now I got to go and watch. I got to go watch it. Yep. Um, um, it's I'm enjoying it. It is it is certainly different than Mandalorian was. It is certainly different than, you know, some of the other Star Wars stuff. But it's 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 entertaining. I'm enjoying it. Um, I love the universe that they've set up. Um, so, yeah, it, and it, it uh, explains a couple of bizarre uh uh, Star Wars plot lines and there's lots and lots of um, uh, Easter eggs. Right. I'll, and, you know, start all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'll start watching it. Um, um, and the other thing I wanted to mention, and this is this is like for the smallest percentage of our audience possible. Yeah. Um, you you and I probably both use a utility called SSH to basically yeah. access um, our servers at the mm-hmm. command line. Um, and I also use it here because my Mac is in the basement. So I will also use SSH to fire up a Mac terminal uh, from the machine I'm sitting at. I've been, you know, for years, I've been thinking, you know, gee, it sure would be nice if Windows had, it sure would be nice if Windows had this. It sure would be nice. I should have stopped wondering and started searching. Um, it's an optional feature built into Windows and you have one click and it's installed. And I now have SSH remote command shells to all my machines here at home. Oh, okay. Um, it's it's just shocked the heck out of me, and I'm I was I've been using it already. It's it's, I mean, if you're not a command line kind of guy, it's just not something that's going to excite you. But if you are, and especially if you're used to doing remote administration via via um, SSH on various servers. Um, then uh, it's something to at least know about. Uh, it's it, from my perspective for this segment of the show called Ain't It Cool? This is cool. Well, I, I was excited to hear about it uh, initially, but that's because of the way you wrote it in our little shared document made it seem like it was Boba Fett related. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, how Microsoft has a SSH server that is somehow tied in with Boba Fett. That's the code name. No, no, no. I can't wait to hear about this. Sorry and, for misleading. Uh, no, it's just a, an SSH server. It's just an it's a SSH separate server. item from from Boba Fett. Oh man, I thought maybe you can get Imperial bounties or something. You know. Anyway, all right. Well, so I actually I'm watching some really interesting TV shows, but I'm going to save talking about them until I'm done watching those shows sure. uh, and i'm going to go against that because the book i'm reading right now i'm not done the book mm-hmm. but i'm getting close so i'll talk about it and it's uh termination shock by neil stevenson neil stevenson is one of my favorite authors is this his latest 
This is his latest. Okay. I actually, it's weird. Um, I actually discovered that this book was out last week because I thought, boy, he should have another book coming out soon and went to his site to find out he released a book last year. I don't know how this stuff happens. I mean, how could it be that I'm so I'm marginally interested in things like Marvel movies, <laughs> but I cannot avoid knowing like all these extreme details about the latest Marvel movie coming out, right? They're all over the place. You'd think the targeted advertising would and, do a better job. And yeah, and I'm, it's, not, it's like I go to Audible all the time and look what's new, right? You'd think they would say, hey, that's funny. This guy in this account has read every Neil Stevenson book ever published, <laughs> including the obscure ones. Except There's a new one, one out. Yeah. Maybe we should make sure he knows. <laughs> nope. Six months goes by before I decide to actually manually look. And I expected it to be like coming soon. Nope. It was like 2021. What? So anyway, it's uh, called Termination Shock. It's a uh, in the kind of near future. So far, it has. There's been no indication of exactly what year, but somewhere maybe ten years or twenty years from now. Uh, it's a lot about global warming, climate change is a big thing. Uh, there's, uh, it's, there's a very in the very first chapter. There's a very scary thing where he mentions uh, in the uh, you know after COVID nineteen and COVID twenty three. Yeah. And COVID-27. Okay. I'm like, no, Neil, no, please. <laughs> You're killing me. Um, <laughs> Literally. But he no. does. It, it's I mean, he obviously this was published very quickly. You know, like, it, I mean, he there was really little delay between him writing this book because he talks a lot about COVID uh, in this. Um, and also, I wanted to bring it uh, to your attention because a large portion of the book takes place and involves people from the Netherlands. Really? Yep. Including That's a fictional queen of the Netherlands. Uh-huh. He, he tends to take reality and then he makes it like vaguely fictional. Sure. Where someone like me could be like, is that that's not the name of the real queen at the no no no, no. he's Holland has he, a king right now yes yeah <laughs> he's twisted he's made it close enough that you could be like is that the way is that the real person but you just don't know you know right. so anyway the um so yes so a lot of uh, Dutch history comes into play as it does always in his books uh, culture and uh, of course uh, dealing with the obvious thing that the fact that it's a country that's below sea level. Right. Uh, on average, uh, right. comes up a lot. But I thought, you know, as I'm reading through it, I'm like, boy, there's a lot of Netherlands stuff here. Leah would love this. <laughs> All right, just copy pasted it to my book list. Yeah, I'll have to. <laughs> I'll have to do that one. Cool. Uh, let's see. So, blatant self promotion is the closest thing you'll ever find to an advertisement on here until we find a sponsor, I suppose. Um, I'm going to recommend people have a look at how do I turn off BitLocker on a drive. It's askleo.com/slash two seven eight four one. I mentioned that one, I've mentioned it a couple of times to other folks because I was very surprised uh, some time ago when I discovered that my brand new laptop, not the current one, but one prior, um, had BitLocker enabled. Uh, for those mm. that don't know, BitLocker is whole drive encryption. Yeah. And if, which is great. I mean, it's a, it's a great feature and you either want it or you don't, but you, you kind of sort of want to know if it's there because uh, if you don't know that it's there, you probably won't know that you want to save a copy of the recovery key. 
which means that if you don't know that it's there and something happens and you find out that mm. you don't have the recovery key, you've just lost all the data on your drive. So the article is about how to turn it off, but more importantly, it's about having you check to make sure that BitLocker is or is not enabled on your hard drive and taking action appropriately, either turning it off or grabbing that recovery key. Um, for me, I'll just point you to one I did on uh, troubleshooting autocorrect problems on the iPhone. I often get people saying, uh, oh, you know, I, I mistyped this word a few times and now it wants to spell it that way all the time. Um, and so I go into the fact that if you've mistrained your autocorrect, you typically need to train it the other way mm. and show some examples of, uh, of how to do it. Yeah. My phone thinks I say duck a lot more than I really do. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Well, I think that wraps up another show. Yep. The show notes for this week are at tehpodcast.com slash teh154. If you've got a comment or a question, you can hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Did I just hear your Yeah. <laughs> your Gary my, Yes. My, my computer was talking. Sorry. Hey. That's all right. It's entertaining. Yes, you, it if, you've, if you've got a comment or a question and, or c- complaint about the background noise on TEH Podcast, <laughs> hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at The TEH Podcast, or you, or you can leave us a comment on that show notes page. Thanks, as always, for listening, and we'll see you here again this week. Take care. Bye. Bye.